podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Fair to say, fairly overwhelming. Um, just, yeah, you know, just really proud of the, the players, the staff, everyone involved. Uh, yeah, we, we started so far back from you know, in terms of a starting point, and you know, to end up where we are today is is, is quite an unbelievable achievement. Obviously, the club you know, had a difficult year last year without any success. But even worse was that supporters couldn't do what they love the most, and that is support their team. And um, you know, we knew this year, or I knew this year was going to be a pretty important year. Um, as much as you know, the instincts are to steady the ship. You know, I, I just felt we we needed to put down a marker this year for the supporters and for this football club. We had to make an impact, and uh, you know, the fact that we ended up champions is. Uh, I say it's pretty amazing. Hi everyone, and thanks so much for tuning into episode one one four of the Glasgow's Green Podcast, aka Gigpod. Welcome to the party. We've known it deep down for weeks since early April. If we're being really honest with ourselves, it's felt like it's dragged on forever, but we can now say it. It's now official. Celtic are the champions of Scotland. I'm Stevie, and I'm joined by Rizzo, and we're going to chat about Ange Postecoglou being a title winner in his debut season. John, I know that you're not supposed to care about it, and I know that last night apparently was was a terrible time for every Celtic fan. I just want to confirm that that is the case for you. Hi, everybody. Hi, Stevie. Yes, of course, it doesn't matter. It was uh, not a celebration at all. Nothing happened. It didn't matter. And let's just focus every single aspect of Scottish football on European football because domestic games don't matter, apparently. Wonderful uh, satire there, John. Thank you, brother. If I can do my Frank Lampard, but seriously, how are you feeling today after last night? Well, I had an interesting day, not out with football, which we'll talk about briefly, but no, uh, for the most part, last night was great even though I did flake out for going to Parkhead because I I concern that I'd have to walk home and it'd take me an hour and a half, and I wish I'd just went. But uh, no, I thought in the pub it was interesting. It was a good celebration. The game itself wasn't great, but that didn't matter, as long as we got the desired result, and we did, and what a legend, Angers. He's done an amazing job, and I feel bad for all the times in the pod where I doubted him, and I said I wasn't sure if he was brilliant. Well, you were firmly behind him for... Very early on, I still had my doubts, but thankfully he's done what he's came here to do and we're back where we belong, champions of Scotland. Therefore, it doesn't matter, John, when you back to Ange, the main thing is you do now. And to be fair, I think your concerns in the early days were valid anyway. A lot of people might listen back to the pods we did this season at the start and maybe think it was blind faith for me, whereas you don't just uh, criticise people for the sake of it. I know it's hard to believe, but you don't, and there's a method to how you actually see games and have an opinion on managers and players. So I think what you were saying was valid as well back then. I think I just chose to believe that the manager would iron out the flaws in our game, whereas you were a wee bit more sceptical that he could do it in Scotland. But the main thing is, John, the big man's done it. And I got to say, last night was absolutely brilliant. It felt amazing. Just watching the game with yourself, seeing the team on the pitch celebrate like they really deserve to, justified champions with fans there as well, at Tannadice. Just a wee thing we'll touch on before we talk more about last night. How fitting is it that 
the venue, we lost the league last season, but me and you ended up coming on 15 minutes later, we were going into rants about John Kennedy, we were going into rants about Scott Brown, Callum McGregor, we were generally just dismayed at the lack of leadership from the top down with Celtic, it was a complete mess after that reaction at Tannadice last season, where we lost the league, and then you fast forward it to winning it there last night, and it was just the opposite mood towards the club, wasn't it? I mean, everything with Celtic now, John, it's pretty much all going so well on and off the park. They've got the fans right on side. That's all down to the manager, mostly. But the players as well, the connection between the support and the players, I've never seen it like this in, you know, maybe since probably Lennon's 11-12 season. I don't even think it was like this under the Brendan era as well. I just think, honestly, this... It feels like this group of players, John, this manager, were at the start of something special. And I think last night's scenes were just amazing at Tannadice, especially when you actually saw the manager getting, I don't think I've seen Ange getting so emotional, but I don't think I was prepared for that either. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to be prepared for Saturday. But yeah, talk us through how you were feeling with the celebrations at Tannadice, though, after what I've just described there. No, I thought they were great. And I mean, it was good to see everybody all sort of in the celebrations, even guys like Scott Bain, who don't really do much, but <laughs> that's no fair to him, but he was there. No, and I mean, as you say, what a difference to the, when we drew it in the United uh, last season. Like, that was just pathetic. I think that was in March, even. That's how quickly we lost the league. And you're right, we had a go at John Kennedy, Scott Brown, and good luck to Scott Brown with his new job at Fleetwood. I mean, even Callum McGregor, who this year's just been fantastic. Not everybody was getting stick, and rightfully so, because we were pathetic last season. But no, what a change. I mean, last season, I think there was too many factions, and Lenny didn't help by throwing the players under the bus, but Ange would never do that. And I'm not just seeing that to have a go at good old Lenny, but Ange isn't the sort of manager would do that, like throw the players under the bus. He'd take responsibility for what happened. He's took responsibility for any poor results we've had this season. And no, you're right, there is a, a real togetherness at Celtic that there hasn't been for a while. I think it's because this season was so unexpected. I mean, even though you've backed Ange for the early days and I was a bit unsure. I mean, I don't think a lot of people thought Celtic would win the league this season when you consider that the rebuild we had, the waste of months last season trying to get Eddie Howe. And I was just hoping that would challenge Rangers and put up a fight. But no, we've done better than I think MD expected. Maybe these Australian football guys, like back in last June and July, they were who are like saying, no, I just got to be brilliant. And I remember thinking, nah, they'll, they'll just see that because he's like fellow Australians sitting up for their, their guy, just like how if it was a Scottish guy, they'd be saying like, oh, he's going to be brilliant. So I just thought, oh, if we challenge this season, that'll be good. Then next season we can kick on because they always talked about how Andrew's team got better in the second season. But they have won the title, and I think we will be even better next season. As I said in the last pod, I mean, all the guys we brought in in January will get a rest, and they'll be fully fit for the start of next season, and I think that'll make a, a big impact. And I think the fact that this is a bit of a surprise that we've managed to win the league and win it so comfortably in the end has played a big part to why everybody's so all together, and that's when Celtic always works best, when everybody's united as one, and it's all the fans together, the team even dare I say the board and everybody's united at Celtic and the evidence is on the pitch and I'm sure the celebrations on Saturday, which I'm not going to why I won't be there again, 
will be fantastic, and I can't wait to uh, to watch it. I'll not be the same, obviously, uh, on Sunday probably. But no, I thought the celebrations were great, and I know we're going to talk about Parkhead and the fact that I flaked out and going, but no, the fact that the fans were there for the team like after twelve, so many thousands of fans were there, just shows that the affection that the fans have for this team because we've won leagues before and like weeknights and I don't think the fans have went back in that number but no this uh, this select team deserves the respect that they'll go off the fans and Ange does as well because they've done more than probably MD could have hoped in becoming champions so comfortably in the end and I can only see Celtic going for strength to strength way. Ange at the helm that's how good I think he is Before we talk about the celebrations at Celtic Park and yes your faux pas shall we say, on the way to Celtic Park. I just want to give a shout out to some fans who have been there all season, not just at Celtic Park, but they've been going away domestically and in Europe supporting the team. You know, guys like Conor Lacker, he actually said, I have to give him a shout out because something about he doesn't need to go on about saving Tolka Park anymore. I don't really know much about that, but Conor, if you're listening, there you go. You've got your shout out. But Conor Lacker, there's guys like Liam King, Stephen Pickering, um, Lynn Hobbsgirl and Mark, Keenan Burns as well, and many more. I'm sorry if I've not included you here. There's just the ones that come off the top of my head. But it was just, for the fans last night, it was just as big for the guys that went to Tannadice as much as it was for the players and the manager in the park. And, John, we were watching that game in the pub, but you couldn't help but feel all season. You said last season, actually, John, how it was a very important point. You said... COVID did affect Celtic and of course we shouldn't have been so, as you put it, pathetic last season. But a big part of that is that Celtic genuinely do thrive off our fans' energy, the way we, the way that we back the team to the hilt. And you saw this season, the important goals we've got just for the fans backing the team to the very last minute. And I think just last night was a celebration of what those fans have done all season. They have backed the manager, they've backed the team and they stayed even through, you know, the, the shoddy displays in the early days, they've never sort of stayed away. They've been back in the team in droves, away up at Pataudry. They were going mental when Jota scored that goal and which was such a crucial win for us. And I personally just want to say, man, the fans this season have been unbelievable. That was all about the fans that go home, away and abroad as much as it was for the manager and the players last night. I mean, they are the, they are the lifeblood of the club, as the cliche goes, but it's true. I mean, especially the, the people that go to away games. They're the, they're, this sounds weird, but they're the real fans, really. We are, <laughs> we are just part-timers. I mean, as all, as the fans do play a part. I mean, even if we look back at that game when we beat Dungeon United 1-0 and Abada scored an injury time, the fans... Go behind the team. And I remember as soon as we scored that goal, there was just a constant roar. I know, like they say at times that players don't really that bother, but don't bother that much about the fans. I think, and I think sometimes that can be true. I mean, the players, I think, really at some clubs, I'm not that isn't even a dig at Rangers. That's in general, like, I think, play for the money. But I think at a successful club, you always need a good relationship between the team and the fans. You don't want the team to turn on the fans. Look at that last season. I mean. The fans to turn on the team. I mean, like it did last season. I mean, the fans turned on the team when they weren't even in the stadium. But that wouldn't happen with Angie. He wouldn't let that happen. And I think that it's great for the fans that were there last night. It's great for the fans that were at Celtic Park last night. Great for the fans in the pubs and at home and all over the world that after a blip, we finally got to see Celtic back where we belong. And the fact that there was fans there to do it makes that much 
more special because if we'd won the league this season without fans, okay, it would have been great, but wouldn't have been anywhere near as good. I know that we've still got the game to cover and we'll have to talk about that briefly. This is weird, isn't it, John? How there was a game last night, but it wasn't about the game. It was about the surrounding events of it and the aftermath. And I think that's only natural. I think the majority of fan media and podcasts and YouTubes will all be talking about the celebrations more than the actual game itself. Um, but what we're going to talk about first, John, me on Australian radio or you losing your wallet? Let me do a very, very brief review of the game first, in fact. We didn't play very well. Ange picked a weird team, like bringing James Forrest back, uh, bringing a badder back. I understand why he played GG, but it was still a bit of a weird team. We didn't create any chances, really, in the first half. We scored a brilliant header, thanks to GG in the second half. Uh, great cross by Anthony Ralston. Then United had missed a couple of good chances, hit the post. They scored a brilliant equaliser. We both had chances at the end. Dyson really could have won at the end, but they could have won at the end as well. But really, that's about it. I mean, we didn't play well, but we were still comfortable for most of the game. We got the job done. So let's talk about you being in Australian radio now. So tell tell the listeners the story of how, uh, how that came about. All right. So I think me and John are four or five pints in at the time. And then I get a notification saying somebody wanted to send me a message. I checked my messages and it was a producer on the Ross and Russell show. It's a radio show in Australia. I checked her account to see if it was legit or I was getting wound up because it wouldn't be like somebody to do a work on me. But it turns out it was all very legit. It turns out this is a genuine radio station and people, a lot of people in Australia seem to listen to these two guys. So they just asked me for my number. They said, right after the final whistle, would you mind if we called you? We'll only take up five minutes of your time. I went, fine. Um, so I think at the time I was like eight or nine pints in and I was like, all right, how's this going to go? <laughs> I was genuinely concerned that I was going to cancel myself live um, on the other side of the world. But yeah, they were chatting away and they just wanted to, thankfully, not know anything about me. It was like 10 seconds of who I am and who Gig Podder, but it was mostly all about Ange, his achievements this season, uh, if we ever saw this happening, and generally how we were going to celebrate it. So I just chatting away with the guys there. Um, they tried to get a song out of me. I think they realised that I was pretty pissed, and they were saying, am I going to sing the Ange Postacoglu early song? I politely uh, declined that offer, but I said, if they were maybe, <laughs> I said if they had maybe called half an hour later, um, I'll maybe think about it. But no, thankfully they didn't, and thankfully for the people of Australia, they didn't need to hear me singing John so thanks for that now let's move on to you losing your wallet last night well okay <laughs> um, thankfully uh, no money was thankfully the, the card wasn't used by the time I realised I'd lost it at 3 o'clock today didn't realise it until then uh, and I managed to cancel the card <laughs> but what happened was we decided well, you really wanted to do it and I was about mm, and then I went okay we'll go to Celtic Park to see the team but then, so when we, we went and got a pizza at a place a bit away from Celtic Park, but then I thought, <laughs> and this is really stupid and I really regret it, then I thought, oh, it'll be a, a right pain in the arse for me to get back. No same where I live, obviously, because the fans all obviously want to come in my house and get autographs. But they, it'd take me more than about an hour and a half if I had to walk home. But it would only take you half an hour. So I thought, okay. Oh, I'll just end up getting the bus. So I went and get the last bus home. And then, lo and behold, 
I managed to lose my wallet on the bus, had to send a, a sort of information sheet thing to Fussbus, that brilliant company, to say that I lost my wallet and they'll let me know if they find it. But I managed to lose my wallet on the bus that had my uh, bank card in it and £35 as well, which is a right pain in the ass because I don't usually have any money in my wallet, but I was keeping that in case I had to pay for taxis this weekend. So I ended up losing my wallet and I missed the sensational scenes at Celtic Park. But I did unbelievably get to meet you the day back. Coincidentally, while I was texting you, that that is the most it's a ridiculous thing in the, uh, the the whole 20, last 24 hours. I was walking down Union Street to go to the Celtic shop to buy the sensational new We Never Stop Champions t-shirt, and I was texting you. And at the same time as I was texting you, I, could, I tapped him on the shoulder, and it was you, Stevie. That was just cosmic. But no, that's all I want to say about my ridiculous last 24 hours. You talk about what happened at Celtic Park and everybody you met and the, the scenes, which were, which were great for what I saw, and I really did fuck up. No going to it, but you live and you learn, and hopefully on Saturday at some stage I can make up for it. So after that, tell us about what happened at Celtic Park last night because it did look fantastic. No bother. Let me just put down my violin, John, all right? Hold on. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, brother. Yeah, so up at Celtic Park, I went there solo. I wasn't missing that. I had my heart set on seeing the manager and seeing the team and just celebrating the achievement with all the other fans. Now, I knew there was going to be a big crowd there. I was shocked, however, to see the numbers for me. To, I mean, I got there at about half 11, I think, and it was packed and there was still more people coming. I had like quite a good view because there was way more people behind me that I um, couldn't see a thing. So... It just goes to show, I mean, the amount of Celtic fans that were just up for this season and we got our rewards last night and everybody was chomping at the bit to see the manager on the team and I was the same. So I think we waited for about an hour or so and there was like pyro going off, as I said, fireworks and the songs were just relentless, man. It was brilliant. The atmosphere there was great. Everybody, you know, all just in together, having a good time. It's what football's all about, a cliche incoming, but it brings... People together, you know, probably is going to sound like this is birthday card piss here. But even though I was myself last night, I didn't feel myself because actually that sounds dodgy, doesn't it? But I'm... <laughs> I gotta get arrested for that at the Rangers celebrations last year, don't forget. What <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is just like, you know, everybody there last night, it was just like one big celebration. It doesn't matter if you're away, friends, family, or just yourself. It was just a big welcoming atmosphere. And it was brilliant to be there. And amazingly enough, John, did you see I took a photo and it like got massively shared all over like first Twitter, but then I saw it on forums, I saw it on Facebook and Instagram, and it was I think even some other uh, vloggers and podcast people used it as well. So it was like my photo of the fireworks and the pyro. It was just like luck. It was just like very well timed, but everybody seems to have marked out for it. So it was very cool that for the people that couldn't be there last night, like a photo from my account. Um, a lot of people seem to get a lot of joy out of it, so it is pretty cool. Did you see the one? Were the fireworks going off? Yes, I literally just said that. Yes, sorry, I'd been distracted. Sorry, I've been distracted because the Daily Record, that wonderful newspaper, have just tweeted, don't go to bed yet, Celtic fans. We've got a big Ange Postacoglu exclusive exclusive coming up. So if that happens in the next 10 minutes or something, I'll, uh, I'll see what it is. But no, it was a great photo, and I do feel like an absolute tit. No going listening, I just flaked out. And you know what? See, if I'd went, I wouldn't have lost my wallet. I wouldn't have got on the bus and lost the wallet because I'd ended up having to walk 
a long distance, but I would still have my wallet, and I wouldn't have lost £35. But no, for what I saw, it was great, and I, never, I, I suppose I shouldn't be surprised that there were so many people there, because that's what they like all about. Everybody working together for the greater good, and that includes the fans, and I think the fans have been great this season, as I've said, and I did see Andrew's speech at the end, talking through a megaphone, saying that thanks everybody for coming, but you're, you're, you're all invited to another party on Saturday. So it really will be, a, it's been a great last couple of days for Celtic, and I'm sure Saturday will be great, a fitting way to end the season. No other football happening at all in the next couple of weeks, because that's not important. <laughs> no, it's the togetherness is fantastic, and... I'm sure that the scenes on Saturday are going to be great. I'm bet when Angela lifts that trophy, people are just going to go ballistic with celebrations, and I can't blame them because Angela's the man, and I'm fucking furious that I'm going to miss it. And I'm also going to miss the chance to speak to Angela after the game. So why don't you tell the listeners about that? I'm going to actually tell the listeners about that, but John, you're no hosting this. There's a plan, there's a structure, so I'm going to tell the listeners about that at the end of the show because I want to keep on track and I want to talk to you. Now, we're obviously going to be doing a review of the season, players, moments, games, all that. But as a wee insight into that, John, just to now, I wanted to know what your turning point of the season was throughout this campaign. There's been ups and downs, mostly ups. But what moment did you think, we might not just be challengers, we might actually be able to do this thing? Now, I've got mine, but I wanted to ask you, and then, you know, we can compare it. Mine is a probably a different one for what most people pick because I think at the time most people thought oh, it was just another run of the mill game, but because of the circumstances it wasn't. And it's the three one win against St Johnston and Boxing Day. I don't know if you remember, that was the game that they played with only five hundred fans, thanks to a wonderful, wonderful Scottish government. We played at St Mirren a few days earlier and dropped points. There was so many players out injured or had COVID. I mean, Barkas was in goals that day, and I think that was his only appearance, I think, since the very start of the season. Keogh got injured after 10 minutes and didn't play again until, April, until I think, the end of March, the start of April. It was, I know St. George had to get many fans, but it was so difficult with these setbacks, having to play like a, a B team, basically. There were so many players out, but we took the the game to St. John's, and I think we were 2-0 up after a half time, and I remember thinking, okay, that game might not be big in the grand scheme of things, but it shows that a Celtic team can overcome adversity. And like the fact that we didn't drop that many points with so many players injured, and even when we'd Kyogo out for months, I think that says a lot about this team. What thirty-one games unbeaten in the league, which is just fantastic, really, when you think about how it's a team that's just been thrown together. So no. That's it for me because that made me think this team can handle the problems that they've got. Because I don't care what everybody says, playing in front of very little fans must be crap for football players. They must love the noise and the atmosphere. And the fact that they were thrown in that situation only a few days after dropping points at St. Mirren when I thought a lot of people probably thought, oh, that's us blowing it now. But no, we were able to handle that. And then that, that was the last game before the split and that, game really was a launch pad for us because by the time we played a game no it was the last game before the break the two-week break of course at, at, at Christmas when they brought the split forward the break forward so to me that showed we could handle like the issues that we had and by the time we played again I think we had 
like some players back. I think the game we played back was against Hibs, and that was the first game for Dyson and Hitati. So that's mine. That made me think this team could do something. The fact that we could over... I know St. John's not a great team, but the fact we could overcome the numerous issues that we had at the time, including, I think, loads of players up with COVID, and go there and win, that, that said a lot for me. I'll give you mine. Thanks for asking. But not only that, the fact that you say, I don't know if I'll remember that game against St. Johnston. John, I remember games for like 15 years ago. Come on, man. Give us I know, I know we do. But I mean, when you look back at this season, people are only going to think, oh, what about that St. Johnston game? Well, near Beaton scored when there was nobody there. Like the first games that all come to mind are the 3 nothing game or the Dungeon United game or the one at Ibrox or the games at the start of the season where Kyogo was running riot. But no, that was a big one for me. So, Stevie, what was yours? The turning point for me in the season where I believed that Celtic could actually win the league and not be challengers was the last weekend in January when Rangers dropped points in Dingwall. Now, I remember going to the game. I think I was seeing the guys at Four Tims and Malone's. And at the time, I think it was like 2-1 to Ross County at half time. And we had all said, you know, nobody was even going mental at that because we were like, well, they'll get their penalty or they'll come back and win. And I was walking up to Celtic Park along the Gallagate when I think Connor Goldson made it 3-2. Then I'm getting into Block 102. And there was just, before I went through the turnstile, Celtic Park around 20-3 just went nuts. Like everybody going mental celebrating because Rangers had dropped points. Thank you, Alan McGregor, great guy. And Ross County equalised in Dingwall. Now, that was massive because they hadn't started the second half of the season very well. They dropped points, I believe, at Pataudry too. And their away form was generally questioned. And next, they had to come to Celtic Park. But more than that, it was the fact that if we beat Dundee United and then we beat Rangers, there was no more chasing. We were actually going to be in control of the title. It wasn't a case of whatever Rangers do or other teams do. It was all about us and it was all in Celtic's hands. So just the fact that they dropped points in Dingwall, we were down to 10 men. We were so resilient and we still found a way to beat Dundee United in the very last second. And then it just set up the game in February against Rangers because that was it. If we beat them, the players had a target, they had motivation to basically go, do this and that's it. We're on top of the league. And we'd never look back for then. That was a turning point for me. So I'm sure like, it's quite interesting. We both, both get different points of view. But in the end, just all these wee things all added up. And that is why we're champions, John. As you know, I haven't thought about it. You're right. I mean, that was the first time we were going to be ahead of Rangers this season. Well, I think apart, like, I think apart from maybe a couple of weeks right at the start of the season. But this was the first time we would be ahead of Rangers when it mattered. If we'd uh, beat them. So I suppose you're right about that turning point. I mean, we did manage to beat them and gain control of the title race and we've dropped a couple of points here and there, but we've not looked back since. We've been comfortable for the most part. By the way, the, the exclusive in the Daily Record is that they're going to hold talks with Andrew about uh, getting him a long-term deal. So that'll be good if that happens because he's only got a one-year rolling contract, as everybody knows. So for the good old Daily Record, that wonderful, wonderful paper who we would criticise, that's it. They're going to hold talks with Andrew, but give him a bumper contract, apparently. Fantastic news, and i got to say, thank you to the Daily Record for what must be a rarity, John, giving us uh, good news for once. I know. Well, I mean, that'll be the last for a while, because, I mean, starting for next week, Celtic won't exist. That's it, Celtic is a club's finished next oh, week. Why? Because Scottish football doesn't exist starting for next week. Only European competitions exist. 
Right, so before we talk about the the big surprise news that's coming up involving Gigpod, a uh, bit of a surprise in the playing side today when James Forrest signed a, a new three-year contract. I'll just briefly talk about this. I mean, he's only got a year, he only had a year left in his contract, so I was thinking, oh, well, maybe next season will be his last because he's sort of been a bit part player. But he did start last night, and that was a big game. And has been quoted as saying that he likes wingers and Forrest is the type of player that he likes, and... I think some people are maybe confused about this. I'm slightly confused about the length of the contract. I'd only made it maybe extra year. But if Ange wants to do it, it's good enough for me and good enough for us at Gigpod. And hopefully next season, James Forrest, if he stays fit, can get back to being the player that he was a few years ago. Because obviously Ange likes him a lot and he'll be involving him in the first team squad next season. So Stevie, on to the email you received this week from our wonderful club. Yeah, so I believe the pod Tim's already tweeted it and we put it on our Instagram. So what happened this morning, we got an email for Celtic and they basically said that they want all the fan media who have been there this season and accredited in all the post-match and the pre-match pressers, they basically want them to join the club for a special post-match press conference on Trophy Day, which is a Saturday. So it's like... They want to give everyone in fan media the opportunity to speak with Ange as well as the players as we're officially crowned the best team in Scotland. So, yeah, it's going to be, we collect the pass before the match, around about 11, half 11. Then after the team have got the trophy and do the lappy owner, we have to all go into the main stand. And basically there's going to be an area for post-match where basically we chat to Ange and the players, which I think is pretty cool. It's going to be a shame that you're not going to be there for it, John, of course. We know why that is. You might want to remind everyone why, but I'm really looking forward to it. Then, of course, I can tell you what other stuff is happening after that. So you can give me a brief reaction to you missing out on that, and then I'll tell you what we're doing after that. I've got nothing else to say about how I'm missing the game on Saturday, how I'm missing the chance to talk to Ange and the players after the game, how I'm probably going to miss most of the big celebration in the Melson City. Nothing else to say about it except I'm pissed off. So, Stevie, I don't want to make this the John Complains episode, so... Tell the, tell the listeners what else is happening. Myself and Hamish are going to get the equipment and we're going to go down to the Merchant City where there's going to be a party, quite rightly so, and we're going to be basically getting people to talk to us about their experiences this season, their experiences just off Saturday, their, their favourite moments with Ange, their favourite moments with the players, pretty much just about anything. So the drunker you are, the better, no doubt, and we're looking forward to seeing you. So it's going to be myself and Hamish doing that. Um, and we'll be down there at the Merchant City pretty much with all the equipment right after the presser. So there you go. Are you surprised for you? You don't need to ask me to now throw anymore. <laughs> no, and if anybody's going to be in the Merchant City about 10 o'clock on Saturday night uh, and you see a guy walking about there with a blue suit on and a shirt covered in flowers, it'll be me. So if you want to give a shout and buy us a pint, uh, you can do that. Just DM me on uh, on Twitter so that I can have some sort of enjoyment for this party I'm going to miss. Hopefully it continues long through the night. And uh, by the time I get back to Glasgow, the party's still in full swing. So is it time for the outro, Stevie? It is. I just wanted to say there's an outside chance that you might see me at this party, John. But if I don't see you, have a wonderful wedding and have a great time at the Merchant City. Right, thanks, Stevie. It isn't me getting married, by the way, but (laughs) in case the listeners were shocked. But no, yes... Everybody that goes to the Merchant City in Saturday, have a great time. Steve will be there. Hamish will be there. I'm sure some of the other unnamed individuals that we frequent, Celtic pubs, will be there as well. And I hope they all have a great time. And 
hopefully we'll still can have some sort of party in Saturday, even if I'm not doing it late, but enough about my complaining. It's all about Celtic, and thanks to Celtic and Ange for everything they've done this season. You have made two jaded old men's very happy indeed, and it's great to see Celtic at the top again, and we were belong, and it was great last night. Not even me crap out. I got in the park, uh, parkhead and losing my wallet can take away for that. And it's been a great, great season. I've loved practically every minute of it, and I've loved doing gig pod as well, amazingly. But we'll not finish doing gig pod. We'll be back next week, of course, and we'll have loads of episodes during the summer where we talk about this season and what's happening at Celtic. So you know what? If find us by now on all the usual podcast platforms, we've been doing this long enough, but. I mean, the numbers must be getting better and better. That's why Stevie's getting picked on, picked to go on radio shows in Australia because of the sensation that is Gigpod. And hopefully that'll continue on for a long time to come. Just like Celtic success. You can follow Stevie on Twitter at Gigpod, where he'll no doubt have lots of great stuff coming up over the next couple of days. And he'll no doubt have stuff for the game as well. And follow him and us on Instagram at Gigpod, where We'll know there'll be videos up as well. Follow 67 Hail Hail, of course, our pals on YouTube. Stevie's always on there, and no doubt he'll be on this week. And as he said, he'll be on with Hamish after the game on Saturday where they talk to the fans. So look out for Stevie and Hamish wearing their 67 Hail Hail t-shirts, which are sensational uh, when they're talking to the fans and telling us all about how great the season is. We'll be back after the Motherwell game, probably on Monday, I'd imagine. So everybody that's gone to the game, have a great time. Everybody that's gone to Merchant City, have a great time. Just enjoy, which is a great time to be a Celtic fan now. We're back where we belong, champions of Scotland. Thanks everybody for listening and hail hail. Podcast Network.